The Washington Commanders have officially been eliminated from the playoffs, so we're going to examine how we got here, what big decisions are coming, and why Commanders fans should have some hope today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We'd like to thank you for making Locked On NFL Scouting your first listen every day. And a big welcome and shout out to our everydayers. You know who you are. Those of you who never miss a single episode, we appreciate y'all being here very, very much. Joe, Merry Christmas to you. With a Merry full Christmas. disclosure, as a follow-through of the, the bit from Friday when we wanted to wish Merry Christmas, and then it's like, oh, wait, we're doing a show on, on Christmas. But full disclosure, we are not recording on Christmas. As a matter of fact, we are not even recording before Washington's Week 6 or after Washington's Week 16 game. We're recording on Friday afternoon. So, if anything crazy happens when Washington plays, yeah. please know they were on our list because they were eliminated in week 15, and we only have so many shows to be able to fill out. And we wanted to prioritize getting this team up now. And we were recording before the next game that they play, which isn't really relevant because for our purposes, they've already been eliminated from the playoffs. All right. All said and done. And our full week 16 reaction podcast comes tomorrow. There's three games, if I'm not mistaken, on Christmas. So we'll take an entire look at what happened in week 16 on tomorrow's discussion. But today, that's right. We take command and talk about the Washington Commanders. We've been doing this for all the teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs, where we're going to talk about uh, what happened, how do we get here. Then we're going to take a look at the big decisions that they have to make. And then, of course, we end with the Levy Grail, which is where all the optimism comes together. And so starting with how we got here, Kyle, I, I go to where I want to start this conversation is that I feel like personnel management has been an issue. This is a this is a deficient roster when it comes to the talent available. And I think they had a dreadful offseason. Needed a quarterback, you rolled with Sam Howell. And I think Sam Howell's done some good this year, but that was a gamble that you took and you put a lot on his plate. That's one of my biggest criticisms for Washington. I watched him play a lot this year and everything was challenging for Sam Howell. They got into true drop back passing all the time. Like they never stayed committed to the run game, even when it was effective. And it's not like they have a high play action rate. It's not like they run a lot of screen. This is pure drop back passing for a quarterback that played college football for Phil Longo in a Mickey Mouse offense, right? It was a huge jump for him. And I think they just did, like, you needed offensive line. What did you do on the offensive line? You signed Nick Gates and Andrew Wiley. Those were your big offensive line moves. You need help on defense. You drafted Emmanuel Forbes in the first round, Quan Martin in the second Ricky round. Stromberg. Ricky Stromberg. You got nothing. Your draft class did nothing productive for your football team this past year. You need to help. You need a linebacker. We've been talking about linebackers in Washington for a hundred years now. It was Cody Barton. That was your answer. This team had a dreadful offseason. 
we rank this as one of the lowest, least talented rosters in the NFL going into the season. So color us unsurprised that they had the season that they had. I think that's where it starts for me is our expectations were not high for Washington. Um, and obviously they went, what, 8-8-1 eight, eight and one last year. Mm-hmm. So there's some expectation in that regard. But when you make a transition and you put your eggs in an inexperienced quarterback and, and all of the things that you just said, I think the writing kind of was on the wall here for what this season was probably going to look like. And sure enough, that that's what you end up getting uh, with Washington, particularly in the NFC East, where you have uh, divisional opponents in Philadelphia and Dallas. They're playing very good football. Uh, and then you have to play the AFC East, which has the Buffalo Bills, who beat you by 34 points. It has the Miami Dolphins that beat you by 35 points. Uh, this was not an easy schedule to draw on top of your own concerns and limitations and inexperiences. And you have a coordinator change, and then you fire your defensive coordinator throughout the course of the season. And I think what, what's really eye-opening to me, Joe, is there's teams – that have incurred major personnel injuries throughout the course of the season that have changed the landscape of the roster. I would ask you, what injuries have Washington endured this season that has radically changed the outlook of the team? None, right? Yeah, there's nothing I can point to. That's the most damning thing about it, is it's like, well, you can't sit here and say, oh, well, we lost – Kirk Cousins to a torn Achilles and are still fighting our way around 500 or, Oh, we lost. Who's another example of it? Like a crushing blow that a team suffered, right? Yeah, like Joe Burrow, Joe, Joe Burrow. Burrow. And, and lo and behold, the Bengals sitting at eight and six right now, as we record yeah. this on uh, December 22nd. So things like that, I, I think are where, when we get to the Levy Grail, I think you're going to look at where this team is at. And I think the conversation's pretty easy about why there's optimism because of what has changed this year. And it yeah. starts at the very top of the organization. And, and some of those decisions that are going to be made, you're not going to be tied to anything because you have new ownership that's just come in. But this, it felt like the perfect embodiment of Dan Snyder's last year of owning the football team because it was all of the issues that Dan Snyder has perpetuated just from a football operations standpoint, never mind the business side of, of owning an NFL franchise. It's all kind of perpetuated throughout the course of this season. And this is the product that you got. I think it's also worth mentioning just this coaching staff, particularly on the defensive side of the football, Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio. I think they're cooked, man. I think I think I think the game's kind of passed them by. This is the the worst defense in the NFL, and it's not because of lack of investments. We know the first round picks that are all over that roster and and high priced mm-hmm. acquisitions as well, like guys you've retained, some guys that you've paid, and like dude, just dreadful on defense. Meanwhile, Sam Howell is getting sacked on ten percent of his dropbacks. You, you got problems here. Um, and I think a lot of the things that we concerned where we're concerned with, they manifested themselves. And, you know, we obviously just buried the the commanders here and that's what we do in the first segment. And, you know, it gets a lot more interesting for commanders fans, probably the rest of the way where we start to get into the decisions. We're going to talk about why there's reasons to be hopeful. And I mean, obviously everybody knows you don't have Daniel Snyder anymore. That's going to be at the forefront of that, but 
there's a lot more to get to, but I think they made a miscalculation going into this year of, of what they had. And, um, you know, we're, we're not surprised at, at the result to this point, but another off season is coming and there's reasons to be hopeful. We're going to get into all of that here in just a moment. So be sure to stick with us. Okay, Joseph. So we we've talked about what went wrong and, and where the issues lie pretty extensively. My next question is where do you start? You probably start with the first decision that you have to make. Right? Would you do you think that's probably an appropriate place? Which is a head yeah. coach. Yeah. NGM. NGM. So if I'm the new ownership group here in Washington and they have ownership experience with what? The 76ers, Josh Harris, uh the one of the basketball teams, is it the the Wizards that they or no, um the baseball teams, right? They own one of the baseball teams too. Is it the the Nationals? Dude, I don't, I don't know. He's a, this is a rich man that bought. Uh, I don't know. All right. Um, they have experience with owning franchises, and and you know, I think the first thing that any owner of a franchise, if you have experience doing it, understands is you have to get out of the. You have to know what you know and get out of the way with what you don't. Right. And I think that's where if I'm Josh Harris and this ownership group is a really good opportunity and I would want a coach with experience to help set the foundation of a new culture within the commander's organization. And whether that means you get a coach that wants personnel decision-making on top of it, that's negotiable. But at the end of the day, I want experience in both my head coach and my front office executive spots if I'm the the ownership group because this ownership group has experience and understands how to run an organization in the in the sports realm. Yeah the New Jersey Devils and the uh, Philadelphia 76ers are the two other teams Jersey that he Devils. has uh okay yeah thank you. So you were so onto something there. I was like well when you said 76ers I knew, I knew I'm like okay that checks out. I'm like I don't know about anything else there. The Sixers. Uh he's also a minority owner in Joe Gibbs Racing for a little fun fact there as we've learned oh, things fun. about yeah. Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, obviously you mentioned head coach, general manager, figuring that out. I think experience is a good thing. Um, that'll be interesting to see what candidates, right? I think some of that could uh, involve maybe some coaches that are let go this cycle, um, but they'll have some options and they need somebody to kind of lay out. Yeah, they got to lay a foundation. If they can do it right, you would you would feel like it. Um, you know, if they're if there's that natural opportunity that you know Tomlin and Pittsburgh want to part. You know, I'd be interesting. Do you want to trade for a coach? You know, like that's kind of probably the, not where your pick's going to end up because yeah, if you're trading right. for a coach, you're trading a premium pick, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a first rounder, and right now that's that's what the number four pick in the draft right now. So, yeah, gotta get you gotta nail that. You gotta nail that. But dude, this team is loaded. The most cap space in the NFL: eighty nine million dollars in available cap space and when you look at their notable expiring contracts you may have some that um you want to bring to the table but i think there's three that are of consequence cameron curl 24 year old safety maybe kendall fuller uh 28 year old corner and then maybe curtis samuel at 27 years old 
Like I, I look at their expiring contracts and there's nothing that I'm like, man, I'm sweating bullets here. Keeping in mind, you got the most cap space in the NFL right now entering the offseason. I'm also I'm also pulling some levers. They've got three big time players that are still in their their late twenties that are gonna continue to be here. That being Terry McLaurin, Deron Payne, and Jonathan Allen. Yep. I'm basic restructuring all three of those contracts. I, I save uh nine and a half for Allen, I save eleven for Deron Payne, and I save ten two for Terry McLaurin. And here's you could say, well, why would they do that? They don't need the cap space, right? But this new theory that you're seeing progressive front offices execute is the more dollars that you spend now, but pay later because of the growth of the salary cap, you're actually spending 80 cents on the dollar as compared to spending a full dollar. Because when you pay the bill, you pay the bill when the dollar is elevated in value. So I would want to do all of this, all of this. And then that way, guys, you want to bring back, you're more than welcome to bring it back. You understand as a year one organization, you hope you can get a head coach that can galvanize and get interest across the league. Because if you do that, you can attract free agents. But if you can't, then you're probably going to have to front load some big money free agent contracts if you want to attract the players to come into this organization, starting from square one and build it up. So having maximum capital to be able to do that is valuable. Now, you could also cut Logan Thomas and save six and a half million dollars, which I would do without losing a wink of sleep from a team building yeah. perspective. Those four moves, Joe, get you $126 million in cap space. And if you don't use the cap space, guess what? You roll it over and you can apply it to next year yep. when there's more cap space available and it sticks in one hand, half dozen in the other, but the dollar's worth more. Yep. So, so I'm going all the talent- levers anyway. Whatever talent you want to acquire this offseason, you are not limited by cap space at all. Um, yeah, you had I had all that down to McLaurin Payne, Allen cutting Logan Thomas. That feels like very obvious decisions. Um, I always like to look at getting ahead of contract extensions. The one player that I thought was interesting there is Sam Cosme. Uh transitioned to guard, had a great season. If you feel like he's going to be an answer for you, and I, I don't really look across this offensive line and see long-term pillars, you might you might want to wrap wrap that one up if you can, um, because I mean you got an aging left tackle and Leno. I don't think your left guards. I don't think you have a starting left guard. I don't love Nick Gates at center. I, I, I mean, right tackle is Andrew Wiley, who's uh, he's fine, but uh, Cosme's your young piece here that you drafted. You've developed. He's turned into a good guard. I would I would think about getting him secured for the long term. Well, there's there's fine print here. You're probably gonna have a new offensive system because we're not we're probably not hiring Eric Bienemy, right? I wouldn't, no. So and you're not probably not retaining him to be the OC with a new coach coming in. It's just unlikely that that's the case. So now that gets into a whole different set of conversations about paying Sane Cosme before you see him in a new system. It puts you in an awkward spot with the Andrew Wiley contract because he was brought in in large part because he played with the enemy in that offense in Kansas City, and he's been okay. He was bad to start. I think he stabilized yeah. himself it's a little like, bit okay. down the stretch. Yeah, yeah but yeah. he's been okay. Now you got to reevaluate Sam Howell. So I think that's that. This is the 
tumultuous part of where Washington is. All of these things about blank slate and starting new and new decisions and, and all that, it's outstanding. But you put yourself in a position where you have to hit yourself to the right pieces, the right remaining pieces from what you have. And from Washington's perspective, picking top five, they'll have a decision to make as far as what to do with that pick. Do you trade out of that pick? Do you have another evaluation year, really? And if you don't, or if you do, then how do you thread the needle with all this? Because there's so many moving parts and moving parts at key positions. And Cosme, if you want to get ahead of the contract, great. But I would rather, as an interior offensive lineman, I'd rather see him play in whatever system we're going to implement before I were to make a financial commitment to him. Right. I just, he's the one guy that has one more year left on his deal that I thought, you know what? That's a, an interesting name to invoke yeah. uh, as a potential early extension candidate. I think another big decision they have to to make is quarterback, right? Did they see enough from Sam sure. Howell this year that says, let's give him another season? Are you going to be aggressive? You're going to be, you're, you know, maybe you're picking four or five. That's probably on the outside looking in at quarterbacks. But do you love one of these guys enough that you would potentially make a move up? I know that there's people that think Jaden Daniels is worthy of, you know, being QB three in a high selection. You know, is that a route that you want to go? I think, I mean, on top of GM and head coach, I mean, this is as big of a decision that they have to make. I don't think Sam Howell is going to to, uh, bottom out and be this, like, can't function quarterback. But does he have the ceiling that you're looking for to be your guy? And, I, I mean. from what I can gather, I'm not sure that most Washington people think that, but we'll see. You know, we, we have heard nothing but positive reviews as recently as the middle of November, as far as Sam Howell and what he's shown, but it, it is, it is worth acknowledging too, though, Joe, his last four games before whatever happens against the jets defense on Sunday, because we're, again, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. He's been bad the last four weeks. Going against Dallas, going against Miami, eleven to twenty-six against the Rams for one hundred twenty yard or one hundred two yards. Excuse me, not even one hundred twenty. Through three picks, and the the Giants lost the week before that. I mean, the last four games, the adjusted net yards per attempt is 2.3, and two point three. Can't do that. It's a horrendous stretch, and he has one two touchdown passes in that stretch, and he has six interceptions in that stretch. Not seeing I, the I, in-season growth. <laughs> there's been there, there's likable things with Sam Howell, and there's always been likable things with Sam Howell. But we've we've talked on this show for years about don't let good prevent you from acquiring great. If you get the right opportunity, there is nothing about Sam Howell that would prevent right. me from pursuing right. another quarterback. Hundred percent. The other decision, fifth year option on Jamin Davis, thirteen point three million dollars is what that's going to cost for twenty twenty five. Jamin's gotten better every year, but I'm not making that commitment to him. Neither would I. Uh, again, it's it seems to be the the popular theme um, on our show as far as fifth year options. When we do these, is don't exercise the fifth year option. If it goes well, you can get a player extension done anyway. Do the Garrett Bowles track, All right? And if it really gets dicey, you can tag them. <laughs> like 
Right. There. Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't lock yourself in unless you just. I mean, some of it's a no brainer. We'll get to some no brainers, but and and the tag is an extra few million dollars for a team with a hundred and something million dollars in cap space that they yeah. could acquire in the blink of an eye if they wanted to. Yeah, we're, we're right. We'll be okay. All right, we're going to be optimistic the rest of the way. We're going to talk to you about why Commanders fans should have hope for the future. That's coming up here in just a second, so be sure to stick with us. It's time for the Levy Grail. Fight on, my Fight man. on, my man. I am hurt, I am hurt but I'm not slain. I'm not slain. I'll lay me down. Lay me down. Bleed a while. And bleed a while, and then I'll rise. Rise. Fight again. Fight. Marv Levy. to rally the troops. Marv Levy, yeah. Marv Levy, Levy uh, lost lost the Super Bowl to the um, Washington franchise. So They're two to Dallas, really, right? Two to Dallas, two one of the Dallas. Giants, one one to the Commanders, and then you got to hate the whole um, NFC East, dude. You know, the whole thing, yeah, the whole thing, yeah. Was that have the, another um, shot maybe at some point? It's 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 Dallas. Who's that guy? Gary. It's Mark Miller's <laughs> Gary. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy turned out to be a real jerk. He kind of re- resurfaced yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah I remember not, that. Because he yeah. th- that viral news video where he's talking about talking trash about Buffalo. It's Buffalo's time. Ah! And then they they, weirdo, they put him up weirdo. on like the fan board or some of the games, and then he turned out to be like a real stiff. So yeah. Uh, but yeah. that clip from the 90s will be the gift that keeps on giving this holiday yeah. season. Poor Gary. All right. Well, why should you be optimistic? Daniel Snyder's not your owner anymore. Hmm. When you put it like that. <laughs> and I'll I, I'll say I, this. Uh I once upon a time, I was a few with a few friends from high school, a Philadelphia six at 76 or season ticket holder. So I've seen like Harris ownership in action. They do a nice job. So I think you're in really good hands from an ownership perspective to have somebody who, again, and I alluded to this earlier, understands the dynamics of owning a successful franchise. Now, there's a lot of change that's going to have to happen from the stadium and the facilities to uh, football operations and everything in between. But I I think you guys, Washington fans, I think you have a good person at the top to perpetuate those changes for good. My father-in-law is a Washington fan, was a season ticket holder for a long, long, long time, like back into the 80s. And the Snyder ownership, like it snatched his soul. Like the last few years, he's completely checked out. And um, so it's cool. It's cool to see that the him Snyder's not the owner anymore. Um, we talked about the resources that you have in terms of cap space, the most in the NFL, and you can get even more. How about these draft picks, Kyle? They've got picks in the first round, two in the second, two-thirds, a fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Right now, those picks are 4, 36, 41, 68, 100, and 104. You're going to have three in the top 50. You're going to have five in the top 104. You're going to have a nice chance to to add some meaningful talent to a roster that, as we discussed, needs needs some foundational pieces um, to, to add to it. So I, I think just their flexibility that they have with their resources – Draft-wise, cap space-wise, that's going to put them in a really nice spot uh, to turn the corner. So let me ask you this. Um, 
we saw this team trade at the deadline. And they traded Chase Young and they traded Montez Sweat. Could you foresee this team making other, acquiring even more assets and further trading talent away as a part of their fresh start, but also like kind of getting ahead of, if we're going to build from square one, hypothetically, mm-hmm. and they may not feel that they need to do that, but I, that's, I think that's the pathway that I would be keen to approach with the top five pick in this year's class getting big contracts off the books and maximizing the return on those players. If you can do it is another Avenue where they may, excuse me, have even more assets at their disposal when it's all said and done. You thinking of John Allen? That's one at the top of my list. Yeah. He seems, he seems tired of losing in Washington and, and, I think they're on the right track with with the changes that they made, but I don't also don't think it's going to get better overnight there either. Yeah. It's going to be a process. Terry McLaurin wide receivers get traded all the time. I would kind of want to have Terry McLaurin for my next quarterback, but if you really wanted to tear it down and build it up and get cheaper and all the picks and all that stuff, I mean, that's a way to do it. I thought, I don't know if trading away Terry McLaurin and John Allen's given the commanders fans the optimism that we, we were selling here, but you know, if you're, well, if you're really I mean, trying to play the long play here, that's the stuff you got to consider. I don't, I don't think with Terry's contract there, there's $29 million in dead cap on that contract. So I think that's a restructure. I think you keep him here. John Allen's got $12 million in dead cap and his cap hits 21. So you, you could trade him and still save 9 million if you trade him before June 1st. So that's one for me as a John Allen's, what, 29 years old? He'll be 29 at the end of the season. He's got two years remaining on his deal, and he's owed $32.5 million in cash. For a team acquiring, That's pretty that attractive. might be a pretty attractive yeah. contract. Yep. As far as there, there'd be no guarantees in that contract either. Yep. So that's a player in a defensive line crop or class that has some likable talent, but I don't think it's particularly high at the top of the class. Allen would be the one that I would kind of question, you know, what could we get for John Allen hypothetically? And, and does it make sense to make a move? We still have Deron Payne. We spent a second round pick on Fidarian Mathis. Uh, and that pick presumably made, with the intent of transitioning away from some of their more expensive talent down the road anyway, with the mm-hmm. old regime. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting conversation. I don't think it's a shoe in, but it's another variable to, if you're looking at them through the lens of maximizing your assets to build, I think that's one that they, they could explore if they wanted to. I think they have just the last thing I wanted to bring up here was just they, there is some talent on this roster. That's likable. I think offensively, Terry McLaurin, Brian Robinson as a nice running back. I've, I've been impressed yep. with him. I wish he had more opportunities, even catching the ball this year. John Dotson, no, he didn't have the second season. I think we wanted him to, but he's a talented guy that I think could be a big-time weapon for him. We've talked a lot about Sam Cosme. Defensively, you still do have that defensive tackle duo of John Allen and Deron Payne. I think you might find you find 25-plus teams in the NFL that would probably trade their defensive tackles for those defensive tackles. Cam Curl's right. a nice young safety. Jamin Davis has shown growth across three seasons. You know, Ben St. Juice is a decent, you know, secondary player. They played him a ton in the slot, which is really interesting to me. 
And then you do have those those draft picks, Emmanuel Forbes and Quan Martin, who didn't help you much this year, but they're talented young players that ideally can give you something. So there's a there's pieces here that you look at and say, all right, this can be part of what gets us out of this. And it's not we're we're gonna talk about less less talented situations. We probably already have talked about less talented situations. Well, and and I I would include Stromberg in that conversation as well as kind of like a power center pick, yeah. who you know is a, is a, was a top three round pick. Uh, the other the last thing that I had Joe was usually you get a team like this and if they're gonna you know kick it back and start from square one, um, the dead cap situation can get really ugly. Which team did we just do that had like thirty percent of the salary cap space was was eaten by dead cap? Cardinals. Was it Arizona? Arizona, yeah. right? Yeah. Washington right now has less than 3% of their 2024 cap space eaten up by dead cap. And even if you were to hypothetically move on from John Allen and add $12 million to that, it's still less than $20 million for what's projected to be over $240 million, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's it's if you traded John Allen, it's still about 7.5%, 8%. Versus Arizona's three, four times that figure as far as dead cap that they can't spend on players. So I I think from Washington's perspective, say what you will, they at least have the foundation here of we're going to spend on talent that's on the roster. We're not going to be restricted by players that are no longer here. Now that may accelerate a little bit if you do pursue assets, but you're then replacing those players with rookie contracts and saving money in the process anyway. Daniel Snyder is not your owner. Daniel Snyder's not your owner. That's going to do it for us here on Locked On NFL Scouting. I'm Kyle Krabs. He is Joe Marino. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We appreciate you all for checking out the show. Merry Christmas to all. We appreciate you guys for watching on the holiday. We hope you enjoyed And again, Washington Commanders fans, that's why you have plenty to look forward to from here on out. We're out of here. Peace.